Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this week's episode of Damsels in the DMs. Dear Damsels, a month ago, I matched with this guy who is totally my type physically. Romantically, though, I feel like things aren't lining up. The one thing I noticed is that our love languages seem different. I'm really into quality time and physical touch, and there have been a few times where we have plans, but the second something comes up with friends, he becomes oblivious to what we already agreed to do. I'm on the fence about dating other people because something is telling me not all hope is lost. Do I tough it out? Or date more than one person at a time? Sending love from the Windy City for lust or love language. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. There's some damsels in the DM. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah, we see them. Yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. And I'm Alejandro, and today, oh my goodness, I'm really, really excited for listeners to dig into the episode with Armando Ibanez, a queer Mexican filmmaker who is just so vibrant and so talented and so honest about his experiences in filmmaking and exploring his identities and finding love, bouncing in and out of love. Oh my God, what do you think of today's episode? Unbelievable. I mean, truly an unbelievable story. Just like as he was talking, you really see the passion for what he's doing and the persistence that he needed to pursue what he wanted to pursue. And that was just incredibly inspiring to me. So I'm excited for you all to listen. Let's get into it. Armando, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me as your guest. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh my goodness. I mean, we're coming up to another series of days for filming Undocumented Tales. So it seemed like perfect timing to have you come on board, talk about your journey as a filmmaker, but also get into some nitty gritty details about your dating life. <laughs> love that, love that. Never talked, never been asked about my day life. So I'm excited now about Now is that. the time. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, we're going to have fun. Hell yeah. So, I mean, just to start off, can you tell us a little bit about how your journey began as a filmmaker? Growing up in Mexico, I am from Acapulco, Guerrero, Mexico. And growing up, um, we were going through poverty with my, with my family, my single mother. And I remember that watching movies was my escape from my reality, from poverty. And for me, like movies made me dream about a different world. Uh, I never thought I could become a filmmaker, uh, never had that chance, never had that choice to dream. Uh, I was, we were always surviving. And then um, uh, all of my childhood, adolescence was the same. And when I was around 17, 18, my family took the decision to, to come to the U.S. to have a better life. 
pursuing a better life. And um, we came to the U.S. and I was still in survival mode because I, I was I didn't know what mean becoming an undocumented immigrant meant. And uh, we were living uh, here and I was told like don't tell anyone about being undocumented, don't get in trouble, uh, learn English if you want to get a better job. And I started working in the restaurant industry. And at the same time, uh, all of my 20s, I was uh, living with depression and I was very sad because uh, I, w I wanted more for my life, but I didn't know what I wanted. I, kn I just knew that I wanted more uh, and I felt like I didn't have any choices, no, no options due to my undocumented status. And at the same time, I was struggling with my identity. Like I knew, I know what I wanted. I want my sexual orientation kind of like was, but uh, I didn't have any role models. All of my twenties, like it was, it was like if anything, I was in a circle in an environment of people discriminated, uh, discriminating against the LGBTQ community. So I never had someone, friends who were feeling, who were like really empowered to be themselves, or who would, who was, who I. I would learn from that to become myself. And um, it was, I spent all of my twenties like that, just working and feeling depressed and thinking this is, this is over, I'm running out of time. Uh, I'm gonna marry one day a girl, I'm gonna have children and I'm gonna work in this restaurant for my entire life. That's all of my twenties. And it was around when I was 30, when I became, when I turned 30 that I was, watching on the on the TV uh, a movement of undocumented activists uh, marching on the streets, shouting undocumented, unafraid. And I was like, who are they? Are they really undocumented? Like, I wanna meet them. I wanna tell them that I am undocumented too. I wanna, I wanna meet them. I wanna be friends with them. So I started joining the undocumented activists, community organizing movement. And I learned that many of them, of these new friends, identify as bi, queer, gay, lesbian, trans, and they were uh, and they were shouting undocumented, unafraid, and then they were also shouting queer and trans, unashamed, and that was the first time that I was like, I belong here. That was the first time that I learned the meaning of community, and I learned that many of them were going to school, they were going to colleges. They were uh, graduating. They were like pursuing more, more things, pursuing dreams and goals with being undocumented, being queer and unashamed. And then I thought, what if, what if I can go to college? What if I can? So I was feeling alive. And since then I learned that undocumented immigrants in California can go to college. I went back to school. I got my GED. And by 31, I got accepted in community college. And that's how my filmmaking journey started, being in college and picking film as my major, which also was like another realization because up until 30 years old, no one told me, or oh, I never believed that I could become a filmmaker or I could work in the arts. Because for me, that was only for like rich people or white people, not like for me. So was it through your community that you had built that you became more aware or was it once you began college that you kind of fortified your identity as a filmmaker or understood that that was a path for you that you could choose? I think that that meeting my community and knowing more people who were going through the same experiences that I was going through helped me to find 
myself and helped mm-hmm. me to dream, to find, to, to understand that I could dream big, that I could like have goals and I could do more with my life. And I feel like that kind of like sol- solidify my, my goal of like, I can, I can do social change through, through video, through filmmaking. And that's how I little by little, I, I learned to find my voice to become a filmmaker. And how did your family respond when you said to them, like, I'm going to go back to college, I'm going to major in film, and by the way, I'm queer? College, it was something that at that time, a lot of people were, like, friends were rooting for me because they saw how excited I was to, like, Mm -hmm. go to college and getting my GD. But when I told my friends, uh, when they were asking me, what's going to be your major, when I told them, like, oh, I'm going to study film, I'm going to be a filmmaker. A few of them gave me this silence as an answer, you know? And that's because we were in a circle where, again, dreaming big or dreaming of the arts is not something for us that we can achieve to dream. We don't have that choice. So my friends were in that same position. That silence for me was like telling me like, come on, like you waited all of these years and you're going to pick film as your major? Like you should pick something that is worth that it's, it's, it's valuable, like, because films and the arts was not seen like that by people around me, some of them. My mom supported me with that, uh, my, my, everyone, but when I came out, I did a struggle with family acceptance because my mom was very religious. She quote the Bible and she quote, and she told me that there was, in the Bible, there was this town where there were a lot of people like me and that God burn that that uh that town those two towns uh which is called Sodom and Gomorrah Sodom and Gomorrah I believe uh and uh and and I learned I had learned about that before because in the gay culture some of my friends have made jokes about Sodom and Gomorrah so I when she was talking about that I already knew what she was what she was I already know or knew what she was referencing to. She said that that was not okay. And then she said, like, you're gonna get cured. Uh, we're gonna, when I, we're gonna go, tr- we're gonna get through this. We're gonna work on it. And then you're gonna get cured. So mm-hmm. I, I went to another depression again <laughs> because I was dealing with family acceptance. But I understood also, I was trying to be compassionate because my mom, belongs to a different generation. She never went to school her entire life. She never had that choice. Uh, and I felt like when she was, when we were here in the US, that's when she went to church. So for me, the way I see it is like, that was the closest to like an education that she could get, quote. But that was like eight years ago when I came out to her. And like eight years later, like everything has changed. She's still in the same religion. She's religious, but everything has changed. And also because I have a cousin in the family who's who's gay. I have a, another prima who's lesbian. So we all have done a lot of work. Mm. In the so everything's different now. <laughs> Alejandro, didn't you also go to a camp or something that tried to cure you? No, no, I never went to a camp that tried to cure me, but my mom, she um, definitely said something similar, uh, not necessarily about Sodom and Gomorrah, but like, I remember the line of um, God made Adam for Eve, not not the other, not for anything else or something like that. So, and there was like little mini conferences I remember we tried having with a, a priest who was a family friend of ours. 
That this is what I was thinking of. Number, that lasted not um, a larger number of times because I remember I was so obstinate and just like, not even, oh my God. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, similar to what you were saying too, it's really amazing to see the growth that we all have been able to have since then and the openness that we're able to share. I um, recently received a, a little meme from um, the director of Daddy Date, the play that I was in for Hollywood Short and Sweet. And there's a dance segment that he was able to make a gift from or make a gift of. And just sharing that with them and just being like, oh my God, just kind of laughing at myself. And they both were just like, you go boy, da, 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 da. Like, get it. I don't know. It's just, it was just really cute. So it's uh, similar to what you were saying, a marvelous transition that can happen. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. And I think it's really powerful that you bring it up because the career of a filmmaker is also difficult and it's also filled with so many challenges, so much rejection. But I think it's so important what you bring up to remember that it's also a privilege and that not everybody gets to do it and that we are so lucky to be able to pursue that career. Because, I mean, I have had my fair share of breakdowns being like, oh, my God, like, how can I handle one more day of rejection? But um, I really appreciate that you bring that up. And I'm curious, like, it seems that Undocumented Tales came from some of your own experience, but I would love to talk about how you got inspired to create Undocumented Tales I'm not sure if we've mentioned yet that Alejandro is also an actor in Undocumented Tales, the fourth, <laughs> fifth season, correct? Fourth, fourth. Fourth season. Okay. So yeah, tell us all about that because we've heard it from Alejandro, but we'd love to hear it from the filmmaker himself. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I feel like that question aligns perfect with what we just talked about, like me coming out to my mom, because I was already in college and in college, I didn't fit. I was struggling to fit in. Uh, once because I was 30 and all of my classmates were 18, 19, and I I was very insecure because of my accent. I never wanted to speak in class. Uh, and then I was like, if I graduate, how am I going to get a job if I don't have a social security number? Like, um, So I was struggling with that. Uh, and I was like, and then I was dealing with family acceptance, uh, struggling at home. So I was like, what's the point? What's the point? of all of this. So there goes my depression again. And during that time, a friend mentioned to me like, hey, have you ever seen this show on YouTube? It's called The Misadventures of an Awkward Black Girl. And mm. it's created by Issa Rae. And I was like, who's Issa Rae? And she's like, oh, she just got a deal with HBO and she's amazing, check it out, check it out. So I checked the, I watched the, the, the YouTube series and that brought me back to life. That was like, oh my God, I know what I can do. I can tell my own story. I don't need to wait for studios to come and hire me. Like okay. I can tell my own story yeah. through YouTube. And uh, Issa Rae's web series inspired me to create my own web series. And I started writing a small show. I wanted to create a show inspired of my experiences, experiences of my friends, of my family, of people that I have known. Uh, about the, but it was gonna be about the life of an undocumented queer Mexican server who's living in LA and also who is a mess and who is a mess because we do have this narrative in mainstream media, in the news, in documentaries, in TV shows where like undocumented immigrants had to be perfect. They had to be the perfect student. They had to speak English. They had to contribute to the economy uh, in all order to be recognized by this country. But for me, it was like, we're all humans. Why are they putting all of these expectations on us when we're just humans like everyone else? Uh, so because of that, 
I felt like I wanted to create a show where I could show characters who are not perfect, who are just like mm. messy. And that's how Undocumented Tales it started. It started in 2015. I created two small episodes for YouTube. I launched the episodes and then something that I didn't expect happened, which is people started sending messages. People started reaching out saying like, hey, I'm undocumented. I live in Georgia. I love watching your show. We would like to see more episodes. Or people in different cities. Uh, and that inspired me to create another season. But it was really hard shooting without money, you know, because it's all people volunteering with their work, their art, their skills. And it was so hard. I applied for grants. I didn't get the grants, but I was able to film two episodes, two seasons. Uh, and in 2019, I applied for a grant and I got that grant. And with that, I was able to create episode, season three, season three of Undocumented Tales. And every season, we were able to improve the production. But the point, uh, the message for me, my goal with this project is that I wanted to, to educate general audiences about our experiences. I wanted to humanize our communities on the screen, but most important, I wanted to, I wanted to create a representation. I wanted my people to, to be able to watch the screen and to be able to say like, oh my God, he doesn't have papers. Like he's queer. Uh, he's going through all of these experiences that it's me. And um, I think that, that that's the most important thing that I wanted to show that so being undocumented and especially during the last few years, uh, we were hearing on the news in the government so many horrible things about us, that we are animals, that we are criminals, that we are the worst. Uh, and I feel like that produces a lot of depression, like being undocumented, it feels like sometimes one day you feel like you want to change the world and another day you just, wanna you just don't want to get up from bed yeah. and you, you're like what's the point so for me uh creating this show is like a love letter to my people it's like telling them don't don't give up don't give up you are beautiful you are powerful like don't don't believe what people say about us like just don't give up that's a beautiful love letter and i love how yeah. um it kind of brings it like to a full circle moment where you're creating these opportunities for people to feel what you felt when you were able to start developing your own sense of community. That's so magical. That's really admirable. That's really, really admirable. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And and now we are, you know, I have undocumented also opened me, opened me doors through in the film industry. Now I have been able to collaborate and work in many different projects with nonprofit organizations or companies. So without me knowing Undocumented was my network. That's my way to network. So now with mm -hmm. that learning experiences, I always tell people, don't follow the traditional network. Create your own network. Do your own network. Your ne network doesn't mean that you have to go to an event and talk to people about you. Like it, it can work in different ways for each one of us. And now we are producing the final season for season. And I'm so excited. The community has been producing, helping me this, to produce this community of filmmakers, of actors, everyone has been helping me. And that's how I got to meet Alejandro uh, mm -hmm. through the auditions for Undocumented uh, season four. And now he's playing like one of my best friends in the series. And I'm so happy and so lucky and thankful that we have Alejandro in the cast. So you also act in it? 
Yes, so I am okay. the I am the I I, I play the, the lead character the in the show. And uh and that's something also that it's been a learning experience for me. Acting it's you know, acting is very underestimated. Like people think they people a lot of people think that anyone can act, but act I feel like acting as I keep growing and learning more about acting, it's honestly it's a, a it's a profession as same as any other profession. You know, mm-hmm. but people don't value actors as they should. Uh, and the way I learned this is because a lot of my friends every season, they say like, I want to act. I want to act in your series. I want to act. And when I bring friends to, mm-hmm. the, to the project, they cannot articulate uh, a word in front of the screen because they get so nervous. And they're like, oh, my God, I thought it was easy. I'm like, this is not easy. Like, it's not um, easy to act. It's a profession that you have to learn. It's just skills, you know. And and for me, this is why for me, theater is like the main acting, you know, training for whoever does theater, my respects, because theater is like, is the best training for, for actors. And, 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 but in general, I feel like acting is, uh, there's a lot of people that tell me, I want to act, I want to act. But for me, I have learned as a director who does auditions as an actor, I always tell people, if you don't want to commit, if you don't have the commitment, the discipline uh, to study, to rehearse, to prepare, to spend time on it, you know, to sacrifice your free time, um, you you don't want to be an actor. You want to be famous. And there is mm-hmm. a difference. A lot of people want to be famous. A lot of people want to be actors, you know? So those who are committed, because everyone has the passion for acting. A lot of people that say I want to be an actor have the passion for acting, but we don't have we don't need passion only. We need commitment and discipline. And the real actors have those three things: commitment, passion, and discipline. And many others they say like I want to be an actor, but I don't, I don't want to rehearse. I don't want to do a casting. I don't want to just put me in front of the camera. I'm like it requires work, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Yeah, yes. I totally agree. But how do you find balance between? your filmmaking and when you're working and then finding time for romance do you even have time to find romance is that even a priority for you at this time i mean it's always a priority <laughs> i mean okay, okay. <laughs> i mean if, if, if we're gonna get real <laughs> time to get real uh if we're gonna get real i feel like i don't wanna i don't wanna be with someone you know i want to have my cute boyfriend and everything mm-hmm. but uh, I want to spend my times, my weekends, you know, with someone going to the park, movies, and all of those things. But uh, because it's it's cute, love is beautiful. I I I I think that anyone, everyone, a lot of people are close to experience love, but me, I I am open to experience love every chance I get. And uh, but I, the reason why I think I'm single right now is because, um, thanks God, I have. I've learned through years to love myself you know love myself means not begging for the love that is not given to you that is and, and that took me many years to learn that and i think with that i'm giving you the biggest spoiler of undocumented tales last season which well, is don't give too much if you don't want to <laughs> <laughs> which is like you know learning to like love ourselves first and and knowing that we cannot be begging for love we cannot be begging for love and if someone is really interested in us like they had to show it you know they had to give us the 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 attention that we deserve and that we provide. And that's why I feel like 
I've been going out probably here and then on dates, but if I don't, if, if it's not mutual, the attention, uh, I think that I've learned to say like, okay, this is not working out. I'm just gonna like stop this and walk away. So, but I am open to love. I've been always open to love. And uh, I was in the closet for like 27, 28 years. Like I cannot be close to love. I wanna be I open know. to love. I kind now. of wanna <laughs> back up and talk about that because so you weren't out until you said you were 27, 28. So yes. what was it like at that age having your first queer experience? Did it feel liberating? Was it scary? Like, how did it feel jumping into that part of your identity at that age? Yeah, I, I thank you for that question because I feel like at that age it felt confusing again because we I didn't have queer friends, I didn't have gay friends, I didn't have any, so I was trying to figure out things, but also I was scared. I was scared to experimenting because everything that I has that I was taught before that. It was supposed to be wrong. All of my feelings were wrong, uh, were supposed to be wrong. So I was always trying to explore my identity with fear, but that didn't stop me. That didn't stop me from, from exploring, you know? Um, I remember when I was like 24, 25, I drove by myself to a club that I heard of, a gay club, and I drove by myself. And, and I went to the club and I was in the corner of the club by myself for like one hour just watching everyone, you know, uh, everyone dancing and flirting and kissing each other. And then I left the club and I went home. Uh, so little things like that. I was always like with fear, but experiencing. Uh, so now that I think about how my experience was barely coming out or exploring, I feel like Everyone has a different experience, but I feel like that makes us powerful, that we keep exploring however it is, whatever it is, however our journey it is. So for me, uh, talking and, and, and talking to a boy, talking to the first gay boy who was out, my love interest, my first love interest, uh, it was scary because he was out and I was not. And I was always like, going out to places, you know, and I didn't want to touch hands. I didn't want him to kiss me. And I was so scared of the people watching me. And uh, so it was definitely something. And I thought I was, I thought it was always going to be like that. You know, I thought it was always going to be like that. But now I see it as it was part of my process of coming mm -hmm. out. You know, that, that story, that relationship didn't work out. Um, again, I was like 27, didn't work out. Uh, because just not because of that, uh, but it's because like we were different. Uh, we had so many differences and we were not in the same page. But now I think about it and I'm like, would I date someone who is in the closet? And I think I would because I would come from a different experience. I don't know how that will be, but I think I will be open to support someone who's like not ready to come out. And I would, but that comes with, are you able to respect that? And I think uh, I would. What yeah. you were describing, though, as far as like the comfort in your identity and, you know, even comfort in terms of holding hands with another guy, was that helped by a different relationship or was that uh, achieved by more self-work or self-healing? I think yeah, a little bit of both. Uh, you know, I was, because I, again, I was, 
kept exploring and I was I was exploring all the time and after I broke up with that guy months later I started dating one more and uh, another guy and there were my second um, love interest uh, he was also very uh, out you know and I was like scared to be like affectionate in public I was like embarrassed so I was like working through all of those things and I feel like every experience uh every experience taught me something about myself but also like I will start like, going to Weho you know and in Weho I will get drunk I will make out with a guy and then like I would I would not be afraid yeah. <laughs> you know but also like that was a safer space because all you could see there was like queer people you know yeah. uh so all of those every different experience gave me courage me and empowerment but it was I feel like it was until I was 30 that I met the undocumented and queer community that I was like, I saw them saw themselves that I felt like that helped me too, you know, because our experiences were more, uh, were closer. Our experiences were similar that we were going through the same ex experiences at home because of our cultural background. Um, that gave me the confidence to like, oh, wow, I look at them. That means that I can be myself and there's nothing wrong with that. And I feel like that's where I started like, um empowering myself about there's nothing wrong with being myself and i can be myself that's beautiful and how much would you say that your dating life and dating experiences since you've been out have influenced what you talk about in undocumented tales uh i would say it, uh i would say uh, uh, <laughs> a big percentage <laughs> I, would say, uh, uh, I would say like 50 percent uh of my experiences because also um I mean, I have friends, I talk to my friends and I hear experiences, but the experiences that I highlight in Undocumented Tales had to be with the in intersectionality of being undocumented and how that affects mm. the relation. You know, in every season I have highlighted how being undocumented from uh, having a different legal status uh, kind of like interacts with the relationship. Uh, so that's one thing that I highlight in, in the series. And some of those experiences in the series are things that I have lived. And some others are things that, stories that friends or people that I know have experienced. And I think that's very important because again, I haven't seen that on, on the screen. And for me, I wanted to talk about that, how dating life, um, it's when it's when you are undocumented, you know, because sometimes you have to bring that conversation, especially when you date someone and that someone is like, oh, yeah, I went to Europe or I went to Cancun and mm -hmm. uh, we should go. We should go to TA and you're dating that person. And then you're like, oh, how do I this, how do I tell this person that I cannot travel, that I cannot go out of the country? I could, but I cannot come back. Um, so how do you disclose that? And uh so it's always, uh, it's always like if that pro that that produces a lot of insecurities, you know, a lot of sadness. Sometimes people don't even want to date, and or or you want to date people that are that are know already about your status. So I feel like um, the series highlights a lot of things of that. Uh, definitely, fifty percent of experiences that I have gone through. I would say the drama, the drama that we see in the series, that's definitely me. Mm. Uh, but uh, things that things that I sometimes I feel are not um, 
okay or that people should be talking about you know like in season one i have this scene where person who's my boyfriend in the in the series breaks out with me because i'm undocumented and he says mm. like he says like the character who plays my boyfriend says i cannot deal with this anymore because like you're undocumented and we cannot travel you don't have an id we cannot even go to a bar and have a nice drink because you don't have an id uh and this is giving me so much stress that's what the person says and that was based on an ex on a, of an experience that happened in real life that didn't happen to me but that happened to someone that i know and that i love so much and when i heard of that i i asked my friend like i would love to put this in the series because i think that people should see this should yeah. see this and this deserves to be talked about that's beautiful i mean and those experiences yeah. deserve to be told as much as it may bring sadness to some people like the fact that some healing and growing can really happen when it's showcased in an authentic and meaningful way i mean i can see why you have achieved so many accolades like the collaboration with lush cosmetics for the campaign of advocacy for undocumented immigrants also recipient of artist disruptors fellowship program i mean <laughs> just going back to how the meaning for your work is it's, it's amazing to hear you speak on like celebrating your own experiences but also those that you love and like not only around the themes of identity but around finding romance or achieving yeah. romance or kind of sitting in it and navigating what all that means for for each of us and so brave i yeah. think that like that's what really strikes me about you is just how brave and courageous it is because you know, it's one thing to come into your queer identity, and that obviously takes so much courage, but to have to do it under the guise of being undocumented, I think you just bring up so many amazing points that people don't think about, about traveling and even going to a bar. And I think that's why the series really resonates and is so impactful, because I think it just really makes us think about things in a different light. You know, what's interesting is that um, that is scene that I just talked about on season one, where like the character breaks out with, with my character for being undocumented. That is a scene that where the people want to talk the most. The undocumented mm -hmm. immigrant audience. I have created three seasons and people still want to talk about that scene. Like they mm -hmm. always want to say, like, that is scene. That is scene where he breaks out. Like that is, I would say that is the scene that people have come and approached me the most to talk about, you know, because and I think because I was thinking, uh, I was thinking, why do they want to talk about just that scene the most? And I think it's because in series, in TV, in research papers, in books, documentaries, we talk about the struggles of being undocumented, the obstacles, the barriers, but we don't talk about like our love life, our relationships. And I think that's why people want to talk about that scene specifically all the time. Well, cheers to you keeping on with the groovy creation of amazing tales through undocumented tales. <laughs> thank you thank you yeah, now seems like a reasonable time to jump into the water do you want to shall we let's we do it let's do it please we have dear damsels it's been challenging to make genuine romantic connections in chicago's gay dating scene but a month ago i matched with this guy who is totally my type physically romantically though i feel like things aren't lining up the one thing i noticed is that our love languages seem different really into quality time and physical touch and there have been a few times where we have plans but the second something comes up with friends 
he becomes oblivious to what we already agreed to do. He also seems confused about what he wants to do in life, which is different from the self-assured quality I was smitten with when we first met. I'm on the fence about dating other people because something is telling me not all hope is lost. On the other hand, I don't want to close myself off by focusing on someone whose attention is so clearly dwindling. Do I tough it out? Or date more than one person at a time? Sending love from the Windy City for lust or love language. Mm. <laughs> Have you experienced like getting into a situation with someone where it's just like, oh my God, you thought they were one way. And then the more you learn about them, the more you're, just, you're just realizing like they're just a mess. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I experience this with friends all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we've all been there, no? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. probably. Sure. You know, I feel like from my experience, I think that that comes from like having these hard conversations, right? In this case, like this person has to ask because they, they talk about like, uh the love language and the physical chemistry and they had to first ask themselves if they're okay with that what the priority is if physical chemistry is a better priority then they should be okay with that but i think that first thing to have a, a conversation with themselves to see what they want uh i feel like having a hard conversation with the person but also when it's it seems in the letter that they talk about like this person not knowing what they want in life. Mm -hmm. And that's been one of the things that I struggle the most because I feel like with me, a lot, of, a lot, maybe a few of my boyfriends gave me a lot of pressure with like, you have to know what you want in life. And I didn't know what I wanted in life. And that mm -hmm. puts a lot of pressure, you know, on someone. So in the, in the letter says, the person says that they knew what they wanted at the beginning uh, and now they don't. I think that that's totally okay. I think that there's nothing wrong with that because the meaning of life, the goal of a human being is to find happiness or in their lives, you know? And that means that maybe today I know what I want, but in three years, I'm going to go, you know, I don't know how I'm going to think when I'm 43 or 45, maybe I will want something different and I wouldn't know what it is. So I feel like it's always trying to figure out something. So for me, I feel like there's nothing wrong with that unless you really want someone who's like uh who's who really wants something forever you know but i feel yeah. like that opens a different conversation yeah i don't know if i'm feeling like particularly bold today or something but in my opinion after reading this letter i almost feel like you should date another person and the reason that i say that is because a month into a relationship, I feel like is the honeymoon stage and when things are really exciting and really new. And if you're already feeling like after a month that you're not really into this person, to me, that's like a red flag because this is the time where things are supposed to be so loving, so exciting. And you haven't really quite figured out each other's love languages yet. And to me, it's like, it's too early that it would bother you that somebody didn't know what they wanted to do in life. And I completely agree with you, Armando. Like. I think that it's totally fine to not know what you want to do right away and be figuring things out. I think we all go through crisis. At least I think I go through a crisis every four years where I start to reevaluate what I'm doing <laughs> and what's going on in my life. But um, yeah, so I think the fact that you're suggesting, should I date another person makes me think 
yeah, why don't you date another person? Because if you date this other person, and let's say that the person that you've been seeing is okay with this, it's either going to do one of two things. One is going to show you, okay, I actually really like this person and I don't want to be with other people. Or two, it's going to show you, actually, I don't like this person. Um, it, it's very unlikely, in my opinion, that you'll go on a date with somebody else and be like, I still feel totally neutral and I still feel totally confused. I think it's going to be, you. Ha it has an effect on you one way or the other. So in my opinion, I think that you should explore other opportunities and see how you feel after doing that. I had a feeling you were going to go down that um, path of a response. I knew it. It was just like, just move on, cut it out, da da da, keep it, keep it grooving. Why it. waste your time? You Why know? waste time? Um, Are you right? You're right. Yeah. A month is a while. A month is a while. I guess I'm like, I would recommend, yeah, maybe like a little bit of both of what you're saying. Just like stick it out. I'd say have a little patience and at the same time like don't hold yourself off from exploring other options because you know there's a lot to choose from and i think if it's nothing serious i mean there's nothing wrong with seeing what else is out there in the landscape maybe but also like yes i agree with lauren i agree that uh you know like this this is what i meant by saying like hard conversations like yeah. You know, you need to sit down with this person and ask them, what is it that you want? What are your expectations? Do you want just sex? Do you want like something more serious? Do you want us to be friends with benefits? Do you know, do you see me as something else? Like I need to know and that way we know if we're on the same page, you yeah. know? Uh, and, and if what you want, I need to see if I want that too, you know? But mm -hmm. I don't, what I don't want is to be confused. Uh, and I feel like that's what exactly you say, which is like, you need to move on if this person doesn't even know, like in terms of that, in terms of like couple, if they don't know what they want, then like in that, they need to figure out what they want, yeah. you know? Because sometimes like gays can tell you like, oh, let's be friends, but then they act like boyfriends. And then they're like, oh no, I don't want anything serious. Uh, but they do completely the opposite. So it's very, the, the gay scene is very confusing. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Well, and also the grass is always greener, right? Like, I don't know. The, the other thing that I was thinking about reading this is like, I think that the thing that you should be in love with somebody or love about them is their personality. And the fact that what you love about this person is how they look like looks are going to fade eventually. So to me, the thing that you need to love about a person the most is their personality. And the fact that the thing that you're bumping up against here is their personality and not their looks is what to me is the red flag and why you should potentially explore your options because looks are going to fade. Reminds me of what you said before too, of like making sure you pay attention to how a person makes you feel. Right, yeah. Which, I mean, yeah, that should always be taken note of. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that I was going to say about it is, you know, usually you hear about people who really like the way somebody's personality makes them feel, but they aren't attracted to them. And then because they like their personality so much, the attraction grows on them. This person is the opposite effect. And I just think that for a long lasting relationship where things are going to get tough, you're going to face challenges together. The thing that you really need to love about a person is their personality. Right. Well, 
Armando, thank you so, 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 so much for coming on the podcast. But please share with everyone where we can keep up with you with Undocumented Tales, with your future work, with Ibanez Productions. Tell us. Yes, you can check out the, the series uh, on YouTube, on the channel Undocumented Tales. You can also go to undocumentedtales.com. And we are on all social media pages, Facebook, Instagram. Find us like that, Undocumented Tales. And you can follow us and support the project. And the new season, the final season is coming out next year. And Alejandro Valtierra will be one of our main lead cast. And I'm so excited <laughs> for that. <laughs> Yay. So is season four totally filmed now? Uh, we just filmed uh, half of it. And we're about to okay. start filming the other half. So. Amazing. And is this the final season you said? This is the final season, yes. Why is it the final season? Uh, I originally planned five seasons, uh, but I think it's going to be four because I really want to, like, because we're doing it without resources. So it takes a lot of time. It takes more than a year to produce every season. And I really want to start writing other projects and try to get together different projects. All right, everyone. Well, you heard it here. You better start enjoying Undocumented Tales ASAP. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to keep writing us your letters, sending us the DMs, and checking in and reviewing our podcast because those matter. And we always appreciate amazing feedback. And if you have particular guests that you want to hear, tell us about them and we'll bring them on. (laughs) Yes, please subscribe, rate, review. That really helps us, as Alejandro said. And as always, please write into us with your tribulations and qualms. We'd love to know. So many qualms and tribulations. Oh my goodness. We have all the ears in the world to hear. (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, it's been another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's gone down the DMs. Bye. DMs, DMs. We don't need them. We just leave them. Please. It's gone down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.